This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hello there, everyone out in the galaxy. This is episode 38 of the From a Certain Point of View podcast. I am Josh. I'm Adam. And we are excited to be talking Star Wars once again today. And um, Adam, I'm, I'm going to do something new right off the bat here. Okay. Instead of, instead of just it. asking you what you've been watching and, and playing in Star Wars, mm-hmm. I'm just going to ask you in general. It, it doesn't have right to be Star enough. Wars. Okay. Okay. What, what have you been watching and, and playing this week? Okay, so well, I'll start off with a couple Star Wars things. Uh, first, been watching Revenge of the Sith for our episode today, getting ready for that. Second, I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, really, I uh, bought Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast on Switch, mm-hmm. and I didn't like it. <laughs> and right. I finished that this week, I pushed through it, and you know, I remember that on GameCube being so much better uh, than it was, and I don't know if it's just the... Um, <laughs> just the way they updated it. I don't know. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, 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 it was frustrating. It was rough, but I got to the end of it. Uh, so I don't have to touch that on switch ever again. Um, and then after that, I've been doing some different things this week. I, we talked last week about watching Hamilton and mm-hmm. that's kind of got me on a history kick. So I've been doing some, uh, I finished watching uh, a series called turn on Netflix, which was an AMC series about uh, spies during the Revolutionary War, and that mm-hmm. is a great show. So if anyone has Netflix out there wants a good historical drama, uh, uh, Turn is is a great place to, is, is a great show to check out. And uh, just started doing a little bit of reading, so uh, kind of some more historical stuff around that mm-hmm. same time period. So it's kind of, Hamilton has sparked me into a, uh, sent me down a rabbit hole, I guess. Yeah, I hear you there. I, I mean, even when we were going down to Virginia Beach for our little mini vacation earlier in the summer, you know, they had like Yorktown was down there oh, and everything. Yeah, right, and like right. they have like these museums that unfortunately mm-hmm. weren't open at the time. But like I really wanted to go. Like I was so interested in the historical stuff. So I might have to. Yeah. I know I, I added turn to my watch list on Netflix. So oh, it's, yeah, um, I highly recommend it. It's very yeah. good. Yes. And, uh, yeah, but I was I was been thinking the same thing about you know vacations. My brother lives out in, in the Philly, New Jersey area, so there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff from you know that that period over there. And, you know, yep. uh, Valley Forge Museum is over there, that type of stuff. So, yeah, I definitely been thinking about checking out some of those historical sites. So, but yeah, that was basically my week. Some interesting stuff. Um, what have you been up to? Well, I, of course, like you, watched Revenge of the Sith the past couple of days um, and getting ready for today's show. And uh, I did watch an episode of two, an episode or two of Rebels uh, this week. Okay. See, I'm, I'm going slowly through that. I need to get back into it because I've been watching um, The Last Dance on the ESPN app, which uh, chronicles the Chicago Bulls during oh, the yeah, 19- yeah. Okay. 1990s. Uh, it focuses a lot on Michael Jordan and right. um, in the whole Bulls team, but it, it was just, it's one of the best kind of documentaries, docu-series that, I, that I've seen, especially as far as sports goes. So I, I definitely recommend nice. that one. Mm-hmm. I forgot what that was called, but I remember that, that being out. I should check that out. Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah. But um, oh, we have, we have some chi- Chicago. Do we have a Chicago? Yeah, in, Rose, in, yeah, in Rose the from the Chicago. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice, yeah. Um, and I think we're going to move on to some polls that we had this week. The first one yeah. I want to bring, I want to bring up the because I already saw in the chat about Cam being busy <laughs> eating pineapple, <laughs> pineapple pizza right now. I want to yeah. bring up the great pineapple debate um, that has been going on on Twitter about pineapple pizza. What was the final result of that? Because there was a couple. So polls the one that about... the one that Res did uh, was, it came out tied. It was tied. Uh, there's mm-hmm. the uh, yes, hundred percent option, uh, and the uh, put it. I think it was called put it in the garbage or something like that. Uh, right. That, that those two tied, and then the, yes. there was another like eighteen percent or something that said it depends. 
Yeah, I mean, I, so, I went with it depends just because, like I said, if, if there's ham on the pizza, then I will take pineapple on it as well. <laughs> but if there's no ham, then, you know, uh, hash, we have a hashtag, the great pineapple debate going on here in the chat as well. Um, but then there was a second poll where the, there, there was, was just only two one. options. There was either yes like, and no, yes, yep. or, yes or no. Um, so and guess what happens when you do yes or no? I think probably yes, pineapple yes one out there. It did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Cam's going to love this whenever you. <laughs> whenever yeah, we're thinking this. about you, Cam, as we talk about this. But moving happy on birthday, to. Happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, happy this birthday. This is Cam's birthday, Cam. the day that we're recording. So wish mm-hmm. uh, our great friend uh, Cam Ray a happy birthday. And may we also conducted. Yes, may it. May it be blessed and filled with pineapples. Um, <laughs> so we did. Ha- we also had a weekly poll um, that we did um, about Attack of the Clones, and the poll was who gave the best performance in Episode Two acting performance. And we had Ewan McGregor, Hayden Christensen, Natalie Portman, and Christopher Lee. Those were the f- uh, the reason I used those actors. They were the top four build cast when I looked on IMDb. And uh, and Ewan McGregor won this one with 53%. Um, Natalie Portman came in third with 13%. Christopher Lee at 31% in second place. And and last was Hayden Christensen. Um, poor, Hayden. poor Hayden. But um, I, I went with Christopher Lee on this one. Oh, just because okay. I, I thought, because for me, Ewan McGregor's performance in Revenge of the Sith for me is my favorite. I think he he absolutely knocks it out of the park. And we're going to yeah. talk about how he gets closer and closer to feeling like yeah. the Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan. Um, but Christopher Lee in Attack of the Clones, I thought he played just such a, a convincing villain yeah, um, and, and kind of a different type of villain. Um, so, yeah, that's what I went with. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure I, I'm sure you went with Ewan. Yeah. It's, yeah. For Ewan. Yeah. For me, it's yeah. Ewan. Yeah. So that was our poll, and Adam is going to tell us what's going on on this week's show. We got some news this week, actually, a, a, probably a healthy bit of news, more than we've had Good in the amount. last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so we got some news to go over, and then we are jumping in. We're rounding out the prequel trilogy this week with our Thank the Maker series. So we're going to be talking about Revenge of the Sith, and uh, you know, right now I'll, I'll throw out a a a teaser for next week. We're going to step away from Thank the Maker for a week, and we're going to do a psychology of episode. We're going to do the psychology of Anakin Skywalker, and we're actually going to do that in two parts. So next week, we're going to take a look at the psychology of Anakin as it stands after the prequels, and then we'll jump into the to the sequel tri- to the well to the original trilogy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll jump into the original trilogy, and then after that, we'll do a second part of Anakin and look at his psychology as it stands after after uh, 4, 5, and 6. So, looking, but yeah, this week is Thank the Maker. If you're ready, we'll, let's jump into news. Let's do it. Punch it. Well, you want the bad news or the really bad news? So we're going to start out with some movie news this week, and we're talking about The Empire Strikes Back. Um... That for the first time in 23 years, and this is coming from Star Wars Newsnet, and for the third time since its initial release 40 years ago, The Empire Strikes Back has won the number one spot at the box office this past weekend in the United States. That would that would be last weekend. Um, so I thought this was pretty remarkable. So it was the third yeah, time really that it was cool the, news, the number one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it earned an estimated... One hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars at four hundred and eighty-three locations on, and, and that would have been last Friday, and um, and then it was estimated that it would win the weekend between four hundred thousand and five hundred thousand. So I, I just thought this was kind of interesting. Um, we we didn't get to to see the Empire Strikes Back um because our Cinemark theater that was supposed to open has not yeah, opened. Yep. Um. Yeah, um, and I was really frustrated by that. <laughs> be honest, right, I was frustrated most of the week by that. But uh huh, for I was sure. Really so I'm not to get out and see not just Empire, but there's a lot of those movies I wanted to get out and see in the theater, and don't know if I'll get that chance, but hopefully, right. Yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on our Cinemark and see when that's going to be opening. I don't, I don't know of any local theaters that are open right now, aside from the drive-in theaters, which 
actually contribute to about a third of the thousand or so theaters open in the U.S. and Canada right now. Um, so there's that. But any other thoughts on the Empire winning last weekend's box office? No, it's just really cool to see to see Empire uh, taking over the box office one more time. And doesn't happen very often, but it's it's cool that unexpected, but it was cool that it, that it got a chance to 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 rise to the top one more time. Absolutely. Um, and moving on to TV, we we had a, a kind of a big announcement um, this week on on the thirteenth, and it's it comes from StarWars.com. Disney Plus ordered its next animated series from Lucasfilm, Star Wars: The Bad Batch. Um, will be streaming hitting um Disney Plus in 2021 and the series follows the elite and experimental clones of the bad batch as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the clone war. Um so what are your thoughts on a bad batch series? I'm excited for the possibilities. I don't like I especially having this take place after the clone wars. Uh, I'm I'm more excited for that possibility that it could fill in some gaps, uh, specifically like you know what happened with some clones and between, you know where they ended after the Clone Wars and where they pick up again in Rebels, um, mm-hmm. you know that type of thing. I, I'm excited to fill in that time period. If this was during the Clone Wars, I wouldn't be as thrilled with it, you know. Um, but yeah, the possibility that this can fill in some some story there and add some stuff, uh, that's what I'm most excited about, I think. Yeah, I, I think my initial reaction to this news was that, you know, of course I'm going to watch it. You know, I, I wanted to see that Rebels sequel animated show being announced, you know. Um, so I was like slightly disappointed that this is what we got, but I'm, I'm still happy and, and we'll definitely watch it. And like you said, it could fill in some of those those gaps that, you know, and, and where did the clones go from, you know, episode three to, to Rebels, like you said. Um, so pretty interesting, but I still want to get that Rebels sequel announcement at some point. Yeah, hoping, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm hoping definitely. we're going to see that. That rumor has been going on for a while. I almost um, think like, because the Bad Batch is coming to Disney Plus, right? Yes. I almost think mm-hmm. like a Rebels sequel type show would probably go back to like Disney XD or something, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think they'd go with Disney Plus at this you point. You think so? Yeah, I, I really, I do. I do. I mean, Maybe. I know I uh, think Jedi see, Temple I, I, Challenge was th- kind of an exception. Yeah, but, right. Um, the only reason I think that is, I, you know, I think with the Bad Bats, they'd have their Disney Plus show, and I think a, mm-hmm. a Rebel sequel would kind of be a bigger bill, and I think that that would make some <laughs> cable providers happy that, you know, Disney is providing that content for cable subscriptions and things like that, so... Yeah, I don't know what their strategy is going forward in terms of what they're going to release on a cable channel right, versus... Right the streaming service, but I, I imagine they're putting all their efforts into this streaming service and, and, and putting all their new content there. That's um, where I would lean, but I'm not sure. Could be, could be. Yeah. Um, and we have a little bit more news in the world of TV as well. And there was uh, Alden Ehrenreich was on a um, podcast and mm-hmm. um, the happy, sad, confused podcast. And they were talking about his uh, new Peacock streaming series, Brave New World. And for about the last five minutes of that podcast, they talked about Solo and a, a possible uh, sequel. And, um, you know, he was he was asked if he'd be interested in coming back to play Han Solo again on, Dis- on Disney Plus or in any way. And he said he would. He said, I would. Um, he said it would have to be the right version of it. And he goes on to say that um, I I think now they're being so inventive with how they're using Star Wars and putting out stories in a different way that maybe I could see some out-of-the-box interesting iteration of it somewhere. We'll see. Who knows? Um, So what do you take from from these quotes, Adam? I... I see in some chat... In the chat, we have some make Solo 2 happen hashtags. I just think that that's you know in some form or fashion. I hope that 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 uh, this news ends up contributing to that eventually, and what yeah. form that takes. I don't know if it's a movie, if it's a Disney Plus series, if it's 
you know, straight to Disney Plus movie. I don't know. So, uh, so hopefully that just leaves the door open enough that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, for me, it's a no-brainer. I mean, I I think with with Disney Plus and the what they can do with the TV series now, um, especially after what we got with Mandalorian, I, I think that you almost have to pick up the story that Solo left off. I mean, um, Alden somewhere in the in the interview talks about how at the end of Solo, Han Solo's character gets to that point where he's starting to become that Han Solo that we know, um, and I I think being able to see his interactions with Jabba the Hutt, Jabba the Hutt potentially, or um, did he meet up with Boba Fett or have a confrontation with Boba Fett before the empire strikes back and everything, you know, um, yeah, right. Right. Land, some Lando stuff, how he, you know, maybe came to run cloud city, basically all, all those types of things. I think there's a lot of, and of course, Crimson Dawn, Darth Maul, Kira, I think there's a lot of open threads where you could take that series. So, yeah, absolutely. I'd, lo- I'd love to see it. Yeah, Kira and Crimson Dawn is uh, that's a story that has to get told. I think mm-hmm. so. So I'm definitely hoping to see that on Disney Plus someday. And moving on to some gaming news, we have um, a new one from ILM X Lab. Um, this is going to be a VR experience. And it's going to be centered around the location of, of Batu, And um, it says, they're quoted as saying, we're so excited for fans to step into Star Wars Tales from the Galaxy's Edge later this year. Um, this action-packed adventure not only speaks to the promise of connected and complementary experiences by extending the lore around Black Spire Outpost, it represents another meaningful step in ILM X Lab's quest to transition from storytelling to story living. Um, where you're inside the world making choices that drive your experience forward. Um, so what are your thoughts on this, Adam? Um, I think they're, by the way, um, teaming up with Oculus for this. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for this. I, I, I can't help it. Like, I think that this was, this came out earlier. I remember hearing something about this and I don't know if it was a, uh, like a leak or something. I don't know, but, uh, um, I feel like this is one that I've seen before somewhere. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. uh, basically it just makes me want some type of VR <laughs> solution even more because I hear you with, with especially this, now that it's star Wars is tapping into that, you know, a, a lot because of this. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've never checked out Vader immortal. And then, right. Uh, you know, the squadrons is going to be f- fully VR. Mm-hmm. capable so i don't know yeah and I, I guess uh, there's gonna be i, I it, it said there in the article somewhere that there will be like it's gonna be a lot of different mm-hmm. types of i don't know how to say it exactly um it's not gonna be just one type of game there are different strategies you have to use yeah, and different right, t- different right. types of gaming within the game you know yeah i don't know it's a couple hundred dollars i didn't want to spend and uh <laughs> wasn't planning on spending but i have to figure out a way i can spend it so. yeah might be something we have to have to look into maybe maybe we can team up and oh yeah there you the go co- split the oh, cost and share yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um not not share the headset at the same time right no no okay no. all right because no. i don't it would ha- it, it would have I'll to pass be. on that if that's the, yeah, if yeah, that's yeah. the plan yeah no <laughs> Alter- alternate you know okay all right um, we'll take turns <laughs> and uh finally moving on to some convention news we have a, a couple um pieces of information to get out to you uh san diego comic con at home is something that's going to be happening on youtube um and star wars has some involvement in this uh san diego comic con at home and a lot of that's going to take place um next friday july 24th they're gonna there are going to be four star wars panels from fans and creatives um First up is the Mandalorian and his many gadgets. So we have um, some some experts that are going to be looking at technologies that are explored in the Mandalorian, from tracking fobs and jetpacks to wrist rockets and flamethrowers, examining the most well-equipped bounty hunter in the galaxy. That's going to take place at 10 a.m. on Friday, uh, Pacific time. 
And then we have Star Wars audiobooks, Dr. Afra. Um, so we're going to get the inside scoop on the audiobook um, original, Dr. Afra. And there will be some, we're going to be hearing from the audiobook narrators as well for that one. And that one's going to take place at 11 a.m. Then we have Lucasfilm Publishing, Stories from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. So we're going to have some authors such as Timothy Zahn, Alex Segura, Justina Ireland, and more um, that we'll be talking about publishing. I'm, I'm assuming there might be some focus on the High Republic era um, during that panel. That one's going to happen at 12 p.m. Pacific time. And finally, the, this is interesting, the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. So they, they stole our idea, obviously. How dare um, they? <laughs> <laughs> that, was like the, that, was like, that was like the one original idea I thought we had. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Um, so they're going to do the psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars, uh, looking at, you know, kind of the, some of the psychology behind uh, episode nine, the rise of Skywalker. They're going to be looking at um, possibly like Picard as well. Um, discovery. Yeah. So it'll be discovery Picard and rise of Skywalker. And that's going to take place at 2 PM on Friday, July 24th. So that's awesome. San Diego comic con at home. And I, I know you had something you wanted to talk about as well. Yeah, actually I've got a couple of things here. Uh, first of all, tomorrow is uh good friends of the network, uh, good friends of the channel. Um, and also our good red five network friends, uh, Scarif scuttlebutt is having a Scarif con tomorrow. That's all day, uh, Sunday tomorrow throughout the day. Uh, mm-hmm. but then they're having Dominic pace on, uh, at two fifteen, And I do believe that that's central time, but Rose here, he can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so tomorrow, check that out. Make sure you're following Scarif scuttlebutt, red five network, all those places. So you can hear all about it. But yeah, uh, tomorrow throughout the day is ScarifCon, and then, like I said, Dominic Pace at 2.15. Uh, then, moving on, we also got a uh, an email this week about ForceFest, uh, which is um, a an online convention that's being put together by a number of different podcasts. Uh, ForceFest is going to be taking place on August 28th through 30th, and it's going to be on the Get Vocal platform. Uh, we'll put some more news out about this later, too. Um, but you know, basically there's going to be a, a number of different panels and, uh, uh panels and, and such w- with different topics from animation to, you know, just having a, a general cantina where, where Star Wars fans can hang out and just chat Star Wars. Uh, so that's going to be August 28th through 30th and, uh, for follow force fest on Twitter to find out more about that. So awesome. And Rose clarifying, uh, two to 5 PM tomorrow for, uh, Scarif gone. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I mean, th- this all is making me wonder if, if star Wars celebration is going to have some kind of virtual presence at all. Yeah, I don't think I mean, so. I'm, I'm th- you know, you think they would have, when they canceled it or, po- you know, bumped it back yeah. to, yeah, no, I, I, I think, especially I, mean, I think they would have announced it at that point that if it yeah. was going to be virtual, but yeah, it's especially since they're already putting out stuff about, um, uh, Bad Batch, you know, TV series and yeah, things like that. That's I, probably I, something I think they would have announced. It. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I I very much don't think that we'll have a an online official right. celebration from Lucasfilm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for the news this week, and we are ready to dive deep into Revenge of the Sith with our next edition of Thank the Maker. Thank the maker. This oil bath is going to feel so good. So good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> cracking up. All right. So, we, like I said at the top of the show, we're rounding out the prequel trilogy today. Revenge of the Sith is what we're talking about today. Um, easily my favorite of the prequels, and it's really up there, you know, as far as Star Wars movies in general. Um We'll talk about this a little bit that. later, but there are parts of this movie that that are just perfect, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's just jump into the cast part of this. Um, I one of my one of my favorite little anecdotes that I came across anecdotes, not anecdotes. It's not, it's not an Anakin dote. It's yeah, an anecdote. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is uh, is actually about Anakin in some ways. Um, <laughs> 
Hayden actually did a lot of, uh, and I think this was Ewan talking about this, but he said he did a lot of uh, working out and, you know, getting, uh-huh. getting fit and getting you know bigger for this role. And then once he was done with the scenes where he didn't have a shirt on, he was done. He didn't, never worked out again <laughs> after that. <laughs> uh, which I, that cracked me up. I thought that was a great little story. That is, that is funny. Um, <laughs> but then get, you know, Ewan again, let's just talk about him right now. But, uh, he had mentioned this was basically his last shot to match up to Alec Guinness's performance, you know, and that's kind of mm-hmm. a big, a big a bar to set for himself. Uh, but something that, that George actually mentioned was that he increasingly, as these movies went on, likened his performance to Alec, you know, it, it, from episode one to two to three. And then this was the most like Alec he was going to get, uh, to help transition into four. Right. Little did he know, that would not be his not last be his opportunity last to right. get more. I mean, I, I imagine in this Obi-Wan series that we're going to get that he could be even more similar to Alec Guinness's yeah. Obi-Wan at that point. Yeah. More Guinnessy at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. And, you know, really looking back at his performance in this movie, this is easily, my favorite performance of his that he's done ever uh, so far. And I don't, you know, I haven't seen what he's going to do again. Like you said, with, with the Kenobi stuff, but I adore him in this movie. And I I mean that very seriously. Uh, yeah. Um, just his mannerisms. Yeah. His mannerisms in this movie and, you know, just some of my favorite Obi-Wan moments as well from hello there to, another happy landing. And then every bit of serious dramatic, uh, you know, elements that he had to bring, he just nailed it. You know, it was so well done on his part. I think especially what really stands out to me in his performance is, is that final duel between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And when he's talking about, um, his allegiance being to, to the Republic, to democracy and the way that he, he yells it with that passion. Um, and then also, you know, when he's when their battle's over and he's telling Anakin he was the chosen one and he was supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. You were my brother, Anakin. Like that stuff yep. is just so powerful and it gets me every time. Yep. Uh, Danny's in chat and Danny's uh, brings up two good points. Uh, first, that she thinks that ROTS was his best Star Wars, Star Wars performance for sure. And mm-hmm. she says he was also amazing in train spotting. And then she says when she thinks of An- when she th- of Obi-Wan she thinks of you in first and then Alec in a second yeah i'm i, and, I, I kind I, of i kind I of agree with that i yeah. agree with that yeah mm-hmm. yeah um moving on from from you in real quick uh, natalie portman talks about padme well, kind of moving on from you in mm-hmm. um natalie portman talks about you know padme and, and obi-wan having to grow together off screen because you know when we when we leave them at the end of Attack of the Clones, they're familiar, but they're not friendly. Uh, right. In this movie, they've become closer as friends, and so they had to kind of convey that, um, you know, just through just through acting and dialogue, uh, that that relationship has grown uh, in the last was it three years? I think between. Yeah, I think there's something like that. I think there's three years between the two, and 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 I thought that was a very interesting point. Yeah. Um, that they kind of and and I know and I don't know if they were going to do a little bit more with Anakin being suspicious of Obi Wan and Padme's relationship than they actually did, but but you can you know you can kind of sense that when um, Obi Wan and Padme show up on Mustafar that Anakin is is kind of angered by the fact that Obi Wan was with her. You know what yeah, I mean? So, yeah, there's almost um, a jealousy aspect there. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh. I found this very. This is the second week in a row where we have a Samuel L. Jackson quote, uh, where he where he says that he thinks that this is one the one thing that he'll be remembered for is 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 Mace Windu. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> which is interesting coming from the guy that's going to become um, Nick Fury. Nick Fury in mm-hmm. the Marvel movies. Uh, so, mm-hmm. do you think that in twenty years? When we talk about Samuel L. Jackson, we'll be talking about Mace Windu. Um, I, I, I do. I, I think that, okay. you know, just like we've seen the prequels grow in, in 
popularity even recently mm-hmm. and, and the embracing of those films and everything you know i think i think even down the road you know we'll think of mace windu when we think of samuel L. jackson i mean you might think of nick fury first but um, right right but you know i think mace is always going to be part of that conversation too yeah yeah definitely cam it says mace gave ahsoka the shaft <laughs> yeah it's a good pun uh-huh. <laughs> and two mid two says he's got no more love for that jedi um <laughs> you, you know mace windu really is character wise it has shifted since clone wars that's one of the ways that clone wars has kind of influenced star wars as a whole is it's mm-hmm. given more context to those and uh you know where he was kind of just the um tough guy jedi he's become a little bit more of a how do i want to say it uh not like hated or despised but he's become a little bit more uh controversial i guess i don't know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i can see that so and by the way I see Brittany saying in the chat that she remembers him because of the purple lightsaber. I will say that I love the purple lightsaber too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I dig, I dig that purple lightsaber. Yeah. Uh, really is one of the main other colors aside from red, blue and green that we mm-hmm. ever get until we get to like, you know, Ray, yeah, we get, we get a few other ones here and there, obviously. But right. as far as main characters go, it's really the only one that's ever strayed from that mm-hmm. that I can that I can think of, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I want to mention with uh, with the cast is really actually about Grievous, and Grievous is mainly there to foreshadow what's about to happen to Anakin. That's one of the many little instances that I pulled out as far as foreshadowing and references go in, in this movie. Uh, Grievous is really meant to kind of foreshadow that event, you know, Anakin becoming mm-hmm. more machine than man. And, you yeah. know, uh, yeah, I just had that the, quote the in my physical, head too. <laughs> right. Having the physical disabilities as far as the cough goes, you know, the cough is one of those things that's kind of supposed to, um, reference the, the breathing invaders breathing later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a way to call, call that back into your, in, into your conscience. So, yeah. Um, but this movie opens with, one of my favorite openings, the Battle of Coruscant. Actually, uh, they actually they they mentioned that they shot that whole thing in one day, but they had to spend six months on the <laughs> on putting it all together. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, when when you talk about putting all of the digital effects into that so, thing, so much of it is digital. You know? Yeah. Right. I mean, aside from shooting Hayden and Ewan in their cockpits and everything, you know, and um, right, m- mostly everything else is digital. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I'll mention this again later, but you know, between one and two, you saw some of the tech leaps, and then from two to three, I think you see it again, uh, where so many of the techniques that they used even just a few years prior in episode two have gotten so much better uh, in just that span of time. Uh, and they actually had to use... Uh, at And... Um, and Padme's funeral scene at the end, you see a little bit of uh, Boss Nass, and that's actually the same character model that they used from Episode One uh, that they plugged into this. But um, you know, it, it it looked fine. They, they talked about mm-hmm. being worried about how that would look being an older model, uh, but it actually plugged in and worked fine. But you know, as far as these effects go, I think that uh, it, it's pretty apparent that they kind of nailed what they even did in Episode Two. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a step up. So, yeah. uh, George mentioned that that first shot uh, with the the starfighters um, is probably the longest continuous shot in the saga at that point, and I don't think that there's been one since. Uh, so, when you talk about single continuous shots, that opening scene with the uh, with the Anakin and Obi Wan kind of flying over the the, uh, the the it's not a destroyer, it's a Republic. Um, yeah, whatever at that point. Um, flying over that and then kind of cascading down and revealing all these elements of the battle as they go. That's a, that's that's actually a really cool longest, shot. Yeah, longest continuous yeah. shot of the saga. Yeah. So uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, but yeah, that actually... And then there's... I want, I want to get your opinion on this right now. Like, 
that whole sequence is like 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, it's pretty long as far as the yeah. battle goes. Mm-hmm. And was actually much longer. It could have been much longer. Um, I can't imagine it being longer than, than it is already. <laughs> I, I'm I, I'm probably in the minority in that I'm okay. not a huge fan of this opening. Um, I, I love this. I love that first shot in the space battle portion and everything. But I, I think all the stuff with, I don't know. I just don't love the stuff that. I just feel like it, it kind of is a separate thing to the and 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 George even said you know like. They had to keep it to 20 minutes. It's almost a, a kind of an opening. And then you get to the r- real story stuff after after they land, basically. You know what I mean? Um, but it, it feels kind of like a separate thing to me, almost. You know? Yeah, I can um, see that. And I just like the elevator stuff is just silly to me. Like the elevator going up and down. And um, yeah, I just don't love that. I don't love that for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I uh, like George the Duke talked about the elevator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do too. George talked about the elevator stuff, and there was actually a lot of pressure to to have him drop that. Um, uh huh. But that's one of the things that he held on to. He wanted to keep that. Right. That's, and and the reason is because that's R 2s scene. That's that's when R two yeah. gets gets to shine. You know. Yeah. Um. So he talked about being you know one of R 2s biggest fans, and you know that's mm-hmm. that's the reason he wanted to keep that in. Um. But I love it because that's one of the only times on scene you get on screen, you get Anakin and Obi-Wan being the kind team, of, be- you know, bantering and being friends and being right. Yeah. You I do a love that bit aspect of it on Geonosis mm-hmm. and too, but this is kind of Anakin and Obi-Wan at the height of their career power, you know, mm-hmm. good guy type thing. And this is, you know, one of the only times you get that on screen. So I that's, think that's just... really what I love about it. I think what's hard for me to get past is just some of the stuff that is so apparently digital, uh, CGI, um, like the whole R2 thing with the, the, you know, when he shoots the flames and it lights yeah. up the oil and it just looks fake and it, you know, it looks, it looks animated. Um, and like, yeah. even when Dooku like pulls down that one, like, beam or whatever down onto obi-wan oh, right, right it just doesn't look right you know it doesn't look real yeah it so, doesn't like, look quite right. that, that that's the only part of that whole that segment stuff is cause... hard for me to get past like yeah. i love this movie so much i love the story i love everything it's just some of those things pull me out of it when it because i'm that's such fair. a proponent a proponent of practical shooting location shooting all all those things you know what i mean yeah so, that's fair that's, that's yeah that part that you mentioned with um dooku pulling that the platform onto obi-wan that's the only mm-hmm. one uh, out of that whole and we'll talk about some more because there's more stuff that i didn't even realize um you're right yeah uh there's that's the only one that ever really actually just takes me out of it a little bit because i can mm-hmm. tell how digitized it is you know right um there was some talk about how much George was kind of changing some things up, you know, redoing the battle of Coruscant. And then specifically that scene right after the battle with the, with the senators, uh, he, he wanted to change some dialogue and he even actually change some, some of the layout of the scene. Mm-hmm. And when, when you listen to some of the filmmakers talk about that particular scene, they'll say that that is, that's the one that took them the longest, that was the hardest, most difficult one. And not just because of George changing things around, but, he wanted it to be like noontime, like, and so getting that lighting right, because you know you're doing all the, you're doing a lot of this lighting, uh, and and editing really, um, getting that lighting right for a noontime sun, it, it was so difficult for them, uh, especially you know when they park the, the um the transport in the sun instead of the shade, they have to get that light right then, and right, you know then they have to deal with all the the senators which were, you know. There's a lot of digitizing going on there uh, mm-hmm. with characters and stuff. So they uh, and two separate audio commentary tracks I listened to. That scene was referenced both times as being the most difficult for them. That took took the longest for them to do. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will say one thing about the digital effects. This the. the um... The CGI and everything. I, I think for the time when it was released, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to say that. And I also want to say that I recently watched um, Terminator Dark Fate. <laughs> and some of the, when they use CG characters, 
in that movie. I think it was even. I think Revenge of the Sith was more well done than Dark Fate, which just came out. You know what I mean? So okay. I will say that. <laughs> that's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That that's something that took me out of it watching that movie too. Was I was like, man, I was like the the Matrix back in the day. When they yeah. use digital Neo, it looked even better than, than this looks right now. But but I I do think Revenge of the Sith for the time that it was made, I think they were they were doing their best work. You know, yeah, and most I, of it stands up, but but just a few things take me out of it sometimes. Yeah, I just want to I just want to clarify think, that. Sure, yeah, I think yeah. there's definitely a couple things that take it take me out of it, but I think for the mm-hmm. most part, it's it's really well. It's it's actually amazingly well done for some of the stuff we'll talk about later uh, that I never knew until this past week uh, was digitized. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, the Battle of Kashyyyk uh, was shortened also considerably to move the story along, uh, focusing on Anakin's struggle. You know, rather than what's going on with Kashyyyk. Um, I th- I think what I'll say here that there's a lot of loose ends to tie up. You know, in this movie, yeah. there's a lot going on. And the, um, the Kashyyyk segment to me did feel like it was a little too short. It felt like it got shortchanged a little bit. Yeah, I was kind of okay. interested in that's one of the kind of the battles going on that right. I felt like we could have spent just a little bit more time with just because, okay. I, of course, I love Yoda and you got Chewie there and you got the Wookiee home planet. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like if I wanted anything to be a little extended, it would have been that. Okay sounds good um i really enjoyed when lucas started talking about a little bit of the politics here uh in this movie um he started discussing about you know how the rise of empires uh and he started talking about it in the frame of mind that you know power is basically given in in more cases than not powers for someone who would become an emperor powers just basically handed over to them you know uh, so when people don't want anything to do with politics is when they give that power to someone else to clean it up. And, and that's where, you know, Palpatine is able to step in and take advantage of that, um, you know, take advantage of the trade federation. And then, you know, his thoughts about how this all happens and comes to be and how Palpatine rises to power. That is, it's really interesting to hear him talk about that, you know? Uh, yeah when he mm-hmm. goes into that and, and starts deep diving into what he's thinking, it, it's really well done, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I think it's going to hold up the, f- for the rest of time, to be honest with you. Yeah, it does. It, it, it does hold up and it, it's really fascinating. Um, Palpatine's rise to power and, and the politics behind all of that is, is really interesting. And, uh, you know, I, I might not have had the appreciation for it when I was younger that I do now. Yeah, definitely. I forget who said this. Um, it might have been Rick McCallum, but they talk, they were talking about the amount of darkness in the film, and he said he almost wishes that it was totally dark, you know? Which, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple, there's really a couple scenes that are like daylight time, you know, with, with some sunlight yeah. there. A lot of the rest of the movie is very dark. Uh, okay, so he means literally like lighting, like dark. He means like yeah. night versus day and right um you know i think one of the more interesting powerful scenes comes when anakin is in the jedi temple and there are two windows and mm-hmm. you know and, and he's looking across kind of and, and padme's you know across the way in her own right. um apartment area and they're both just kind of like staring out and Anakin's having this moment of decision of what am I going to do? You know, am am I going to go and and rescue Palpatine who might be able to save Padme? Or am I going to stay here? Like I was told to, and one window has, you can see the sun in that, in that window. And the other one is like darker and he goes to the darker window. And I don't know if that was intentional and also like foreshadowing his, but I, I just always thought that was such a beautiful scene. I would venture with some of the stuff that George said that that was probably very intentional. Mm, yeah, but that's that's my guess. But I would I would say that that was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about Utapau. I love Utapau. It's probably my favorite prequel planet, actually. Yeah, for some uh, reason I, I agree. Love I, I love Utapau too. Yeah. Um, you know, Utapau is one of the planets that I think about when I always wanted the the sequels to venture a little bit there into 
more creative territory with mm-hmm. planets and terrain. Um, George talked about, you know, when you come up with these worlds, you have to come up, you have to kind of create a culture around it. You know, it's a little more difficult than just coming up with a world. Mm-hmm. Um, he always has this way of putting reality in, into these places, into these stories, and, you know, and that's I, probably one of the reasons why it just feels so alive. You know, so many parts yeah. of this world feel so alive is because he's putting that thought process into it. You know, what are these people? What drives them? Why are they here? What makes them different? You know, what, mm-hmm. what do they feel is special? And he puts that into every place that he goes to. It, and it's really amazing uh, when, you know, when, when you think about it, you know, he's putting that kind of yeah. care into it. The only one I can, the only other person I can really think of that, did that level I think of of world building is probably Tolkien, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, with Middle Earth, and, right? Yeah, uh, with putting a history and you know building mm-hmm. languages and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, George is probably the only other one that I can think of that takes it to that level. And I would I would agree. Um, uh, I think I think you have here about Steven Spielberg did some storyboarding for Utapau, which I never knew. Yeah, yeah, I knew Steven Spielberg was uh, back in the day. I had heard that Steven Spielberg was somehow involved with Revenge of the Sith. I right, just didn't right. know exactly how. Um, you know, there were rumors that he had come on to to write some things or you know or something like that. But I guess he did some storyboards for the Utapau battle sequence which I thought was interesting. You know, George was like George Lucas was like, yeah, Steven was a little bored, so. He came over and did some some storyboards. <laughs> uh, he cracks me up sometimes when he talks. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, I mentioned before, this is probably the, the 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 one chance where we can just kind of talk about this for a while. The last hour of this movie is practically perfect. I have, I, I, I love think the that last was, hour. Yeah, I think yeah. that was John Knoll that said that when I wrote that down. Um, I think the editing, especially is fantastic in the last hour of this film. Yeah. Uh, There's so many places I want to take this part of the discussion, but let's start with um, the one, one of the main sets that they actually did build was for the Tanta V4, Uh, you know, and and they reconstructed that. They said very faithfully from, from pictures and and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, George, mentioned how strange it was to kind of go back to that set, you know, being the, it's the first time you ever really meet anything. Star Wars is uh the Tanta V4 on board that ship in the hallway and, and things like that. So going back to that and recreating that scene, uh, recreating that set, he said was very, uh, uh, so did they actually build that set for that, for that, for that from, ship? From what they said, they, they recreated that set. Yeah. Because for me, that's one thing in the film that really looks and feels real to me. You right. know what I mean? Like it looks so good. Uh, you know, I, I love yeah. that interior. Yeah, agreed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I mentioned earlier about George referencing some things that happened, but he always also builds in references to other franchises, other films that he that he loves uh, that influence him. And the one I wanted to mention here is actually the Godfather <laughs> of all things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the scene where, you know, uh, Palpatine is, is declaring the empire to be born that day. And then Anakin's off doing his, his dirty work, you know, uh, killing all of the enemies, all of the uh, um, separatist leaders and things like that. So, he said that that scene was really meant to kind of reference the Godfather and the scene, you know, where where the the baby's being christened, as mm-hmm. as all, all of the enemies are being killed. Uh, so, and he actually said that the Empire, <laughs> that the, that the Emperor is doing the worst of the two uh, between yeah. him and Anakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, between Anakin murdering everybody and Palpatine claiming an pulling, Empire, pulling all the strings, and he said that yeah. the Emperor is actually doing the worst of those two acts. Uh, and then my favorite lightsaber battle uh, from the prequels, Ewan and uh, Hayden, they said that they went at it so hard on that. And they actually enjoyed that a lot without the dialogue. And I think you can tell, I think like, I think you can tell how much passion was in that fight from those two. It's amazing. 
Yeah, uh, just 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 watching them go at it. I I, th- mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that elevates it to that level for me in the prequels yeah. is, is is that, and uh, you can tell that they both just put one hundred and fifty percent of themselves into that into that fight. They said that they actually had to go through different materials for their blades so that they got something Didn't that they wouldn't them. destroy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they they went yeah. through bamboo, they went to metal, and they would bend the metal, and they ended up settling on carbon fiber uh, uh-huh. for something it's that wouldn't bend or break. It's definitely one of the more intense, aggressive yeah. tools that we see in Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, we could probably move on to technology at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting back to the things that I never knew were digitized, uh, there's a number of digital Anakin's, Obi-Wan's, and R2-D2's in, in the opening battle course on segment. And then also Christopher Lee was um, digitally replaced a lot, uh, at least his mm-hmm. head, uh, which yeah. I wasn't aware of, but now that I'm looking for it, I can see it, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Um, they only had Christopher Lee, I believe they said for one day at that point. And, mm-hmm. uh, so his, uh, his, his stunt double did a lot of that fight. And then if if you look closely, you can kind of see where they digitally replaced, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher's Lee, Christopher Lee's head, uh, into that fight. And then, you know, obviously definitely things like him triple jumping off of the, <laughs> right. off the balcony. That's he didn't do that. No, <laughs> that's, <all right>. um, <laughs> But I, I mean, I said this last week, but I, I want to say it again. I think that's a lot of the credit, you know, credit to these guys that put this together. That that I've gone fifteen to some twenty years without knowing, you know, that a lot of these things were digitized. So that that's pretty cool. I think that's that's a credit to them for what they did, uh, especially with the technology mm-hmm. at the time. No doubt. Um. And then going, uh, you know, piggybacking off of that is uh, Yoda's uh, appearance has been upgraded in this movie. Uh, they've got some new uh, skin rendering, cloth rendering, and hair rendering that they used. Uh, they said multiple times, and, and if you look even in in the clothes and how they flow, and you know, this is definitely the best that they've done uh, as far yeah. as work with that department. Uh, in, yeah, in you can movies. you can tell. Yeah, and and I mean, there's even scenes where like he, when he's uh, he he like puts his his hand through his hair, kind of yeah, rubs, you right. know, um, and they're kind of highlighting that, and then like the the sunlight passing through the tips of his ears, you know, um, kind of that that transparency and everything, and um, right. just making him look as as real as possible. By the way, I, I noticed that we had a, a question in the chat about how to pronounce. Uh, oh. The, the the Tantiv four or the Tantiv V. I've said I've you know, said I've, Tantiv. I've heard it Tantiv for yeah. a lot of times. Even though I would I would say Tantiv four is how I would say it, just because I think to me how it's spelled. But I I have heard Tantiv four. I I I, I I started saying Tantiv four, and then I I mm-hmm. Cam is mentioning us uh, Ashley Eckstein pronouncing it Tantiv in in a, in a book. And I've heard it other places too, and I, I started picking up on Tanta V, so I've I've been saying Tanta V for a while. Yeah, yeah. So, but either way, um, if you say Tanta or Tanta V four, pineapple still belongs on pizza. Either way, so. it's true. <laughs> Fact now. <laughs> All right, so let's see here. Uh, We've covered the close. Let's talk a little bit about. Um, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about uh, Palpatine uh, turning into Sidious. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's quite a transformation. It is, and you got the talk- glowing, glowing yellow eyes there under the hood. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they talked about animating his skin there, and you know, really, what they're doing. They said that they're doing. They're almost like a crossfading between this. Animated version of uh, of Palpatine versus uh, the real thing, and you know mainly the, the things that they said that stayed that were real uh, were basically his eyes and his teeth, mm-hmm. uh, with the rest kind of being more animation than anything. Yeah. Um. 
So, you know, back to the realm of things that I didn't ex- expect to be animated. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, have done, skin I wouldn't have done that. was probably mm-hmm. one of those things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and when you pile these things together, I think that that just... I think that that just goes to the credit of how well this animation was done, you know? And ILM, ILM is incredible. Yeah, you know, very much they, so. What they're able to do. Um, I was surprised that some of the platforms and stuff they're standing on the sets in different areas, the sets just, are yeah. digital. Um, that was what I was shocked about that I didn't really pay attention to or, or realize. But then Same when I here. looked at it, I was like, okay, yeah, I can see how. Same here. Yeah. yeah, the, the, yeah. I think you mentioned the sets, but not just the sets, but like the furniture and mm-hmm. just anything that you can think of that you wouldn't, that you thought were were real, that were really there. Right. A lot of that stuff not, is actually digitized. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's, it's pretty shocking. Like, the, mm-hmm. and I've, I've not. I've been one that knocked these three movies for how digital they were. I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore, you know, uh-huh. because yeah. uh, I, I think for me to to knock these movies for being digital when so many things were digital that I didn't even know were digital mm-hmm. is uh, almost wrong of me at this point. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's 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 only a problem when it's noticeable, when it feels like it doesn't belong. Like right. it, the, a, the whole, the whole idea behind using digital effects and everything is, is to convince the the viewer that it's real. You know what I mean? So the, the when, when you can do that, fantastic. But yeah. um, the only problem arises when, when it's you know, not, yeah, you sure. can tell. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But over, I think, I think really, <laughs> Because there's only a few times where I ever only where I ever pick out things that don't look quite right, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that yeah, means I think, over, that the I think overall, overall, it's fantastic. Like the yeah, majority of it is right. great. Yeah. yeah. So so that means the, for the overwhelming majority of that of those three movies, they convinced me. They did mm-hmm. what they set out yeah. to do, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I didn't find out until we started doing this podcast, you know that that I've been duped all along. <laughs> right. Same here. Same here. So they, uh, they got, they got me. So for me, I think that that means that it, that it works. I mean, I still prefer definitely things like, you know, like you mentioned with practical effects mm-hmm. or especially now, now that we have the volume, you know, yeah. something like that. Cause, cause, they, cause they're in the volume. They're, they're building the sets and have, but having this, the surroundings mm-hmm. and the backgrounds being right. kind of, you know, right. digital. Yeah, and as Cam says in chat, George was always ten years ahead, and he was. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he did. You know, like you mentioned with Terminator, he did stuff back in two thousand. You know, early two thousands that some are still struggling to keep up with even today. So, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up episode thirty eight? Um, no, no, I, I, re- I really enjoyed this one too. Uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith is, is yeah. also my, my favorite of the prequels. And, you know, I, I always look forward to going back and, and revisiting that movie. And it, it was kind of enlightening to discover some of the things that were digital that I didn't, that I wasn't aware yeah, of. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that was, for me, that was mm-hmm. also the most fun part of mm-hmm. doing the, this section of Thank the Maker is yeah, uh, realizing like I said before, how much was how much was digitized that I'd never knew until now. So, right, that was the most fun for me as well. All right, let's head into our wrap up section. I'm just glad you're here. At the end. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed episode thirty-eight. I know I've been looking forward to this episode for a little while since we started Thank the Maker, so I had a lot of fun chatting about Revenge of the Sith. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone I saw in chat this week, uh, which would be Mr. Rez, Vader's Girl 21, Semperfy Danny, Burl Farm Boy, 2Med2, Stephen Miller, Brittany from the Bosch blog, Roe from uh, Scarif Scuttlebutt and the Red 5 Network, Rick Villanueva, Radio Rebellion, Cam Ray, Michelle Smith from Force of Light Entertainment, and the Black Squadron Podcast. Uh, if I missed anybody, I am very sorry, but we, Josh and I both very much appreciate you tuning in. And we hope to see you next week as well. 
Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. If you're on one that lets you leave a review, we would appreciate that. Helps us get out to more people and uh, have more people find out what we're about here and join in the fun. Uh, check out the website from a certain point of view.com. Our socials are uh, Twitter, certain POV pod, Facebook from a certain point of view. The Discord server, the link is always in the show notes or on the website. Our email address is certainpovpod at gmail.com. And our episodes are hosted by anchor.fm, where you can leave us a 60-second voicemail. Uh, we would love to hear your thoughts, questions, uh, if you want to comment on anything, and not even just this week's show. If you're listening to an older show and want to throw in a, a voicemail for that, we would love to play it on the show as well. Uh, remember to check out red5network.com. There's a ton of great podcasts there on, on the Red 5 Network. We're very happy to be a part of them. Uh, check out the website for all the other podcasts. Uh, make sure you follow uh, socials for that as well. Uh, on Twitter, there are the Red 5 Network. Uh, there's a lot of stuff there, and not just us. There's a lot of great shows uh, that we love to listen to. So make sure you're make sure you're joining in the fun and listening to the other shows on the network as well. Uh, you can find me on the internet mainly on Twitter at the Gauze eighty five. Uh, that's where I do all my other Star Wars stuff uh, and non Star Wars stuff as well. So, Josh, where can everyone find you? You can find me on Twitter at JediJarJar1722 and writing articles for StarWarsNewsNet.com. And once again, we just want to thank you so much for joining us today, either in the, the live chat or watching later or listening later. Um, we just so appreciate every single one of you. And um, next week, we're looking forward to discussing the psychology of Anakin Skywalker and be on the lookout for a poll related to Revenge of the Sith. And until next time, just keep in mind that everything we said today was true. From a certain point of view.